0: Welcome to the first season of the Astrid and Mew Brand Lab podcast, where we will get a sneak peek into iconic brands through their founders and leaders. We will talk about their personal and professional backgrounds and also talk about various current issues they stand behind. I am your host, Ani Nam, founder of Astrid and Mew. This is a virtual recording, so please excuse the sound quality. This week, I sat down with Victoria Pru, co-founder of HER, the Airbnb of Fashion. She spoke to me about the inspiration behind the business, importance of tech, sustainability, and some great tips for young entrepreneurs. She's on the Draper's 30 under 30 list, and believe it or not, she's only 26. Please join me in welcoming Victoria. Hi, Victoria. How are you? Hi, Connie. I'm great. Thank you. Happy it's Friday. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. Thanks for joining me. So, Victoria, I'm going to delve straight in. You started her three years ago. Tell me how you got here, all about yourself, all about your professional and personal background. Of course.
1: So I've always been really, really passionate about tech and, and women in tech. And I ran a uh, well, I started I started my first business when I was an undergrad um, as a bit of a kind of side side project and it ended up doing quite well. And I always knew that ultimately I wanted to own my own company. Um, but I was definitely under a bit of pressure, I'd say, uh, societal pressure to go into a more traditional background. So I uh, did a master's in real estate and then uh, tra- trained up as a charter surveyor for three and a half years before I quit pretty quickly to, to co-found what's now her. Um, so, you know, at one, one stage, you have to take a big leap of faith and uh, and that was that, um, but, but, but I've always been passionate about tech and always knew that ultimately I was going to start my own company.
0: Yeah, that's so brave of you. And how did you transition into starting your own business from being a surveyor? Did you gradually do it while you were working as a surveyor, or did you just quit, and that's when you started um, um, kickstarting your idea?
1: Yeah, interesting question. I, I actually had a few business ideas, um, so her was very much you know, top of the list. And um, I had a number yeah. of other... Uh, ideas uh, that that I was working on. So
0: you had that, you had, you always had that itch.
1: For sure, yeah. I mean, I've always looked. Um, my family based out, uh, my extended family based out in Silicon Valley, and they've always called me up and zoomed me saying, you know, you need to look at this business. And then five years later, something similar launches in the UK. Yeah. Um, and I've done that for years and years. Um, so her was one of many ideas, but um, basically, the more research we did around it, uh, the more convinced I was by the day that the future of fashion just had to be a rented wardrobe. And yeah, after after many you know months and years of hard work, uh, it takes a while to launch launch a, a product. It's as complex as ours is.
0: Yeah, and where did the inspiration come from? And what, what does her mean? So
1: I guess I'm very much the her customer. I'm a young millennial who, you know, I'd say loves fashion, but doesn't know that much about fashion. Um, And really, you know, when I was an undergraduate, uh, I guess we never really thought about fast fashion. We never really thought about, you know, the the footprint of ordering lots of online packages. Um, And then when I started researching the the, the rental revolution that was booming over in the, in the U S market and the sharing economy, and the fact that there was a whole generation of people that prized access over ownership and, You know, we rented cars, we rented houses, and we didn't rent clothes. And the more research I did, the more convinced I was that at some stage, whether it was, you know, the day I started her or three and a half years later, where we now are, that at some stage there was going to be a massive sustainable fashion awakening and, and people were really going to start waking up to, to the impact of fashion that, you know, particularly on the environment. And, and I wanted to be part of the solution rather than being another fashion brand that was kind of contributing to that problem. So that's where the kind of original idea first came
0: from. Yeah, definitely. And what does her mean? Where does the name come from?
1: Yeah, great question. So um, her is actually derived from her, H-U-U-R, which means to rent in Afrikaans. And my co-founder is South African. So uh, we were looking for oh. some kind of link something to us, um, but we changed the spelling slightly. Uh,
0: well, can you tell me about uh, a bit more about your business model?
1: yeah absolutely so so first and foremost fashion rental is not a new idea uh, people often say you know what you're doing is so innovative um, and and th- the model we have is innovative but the idea of renting fashion has been around for a long time Rent the runway have been in uh, existence for over 10 years and they're now a billion dollar company and um, so so we'd watched the rental revolution really closely but we wanted to build something a bit different um, and our view was okay there are all these women across the uk that have amazing wardrobes but they're sat there they're idle they're not Being used, they're not being utilised, and rather than us having to kind of, you know, commit to massive wholesale orders to then rent those items, is there something cleverer we could do? And so our view was peer-to-peer is really hard to get right unless you're a tech first business um but if we could get it right and prove that renting between you know uh sophie in london and i don't know claudia in birmingham if we could get one transaction right where both sophie felt happy that she rented a dress and made money um and the girl in birmingham uh head is happy because she spent 30 pounds rather than 300 pounds on an item that statistically she's going to rent once uh, or wear once then we'd be on to sign good um and so matt and i my co-founder spent just over a year building out from line one of code this this product that is as functional as airbnb and i can mm. touch on the kind of complexities later but our view was that to get peer-to-peer rental right we have to be a tech first business so that's why we
0: spent so much time and emphasize uh, so much about how, how scalable our product really is it's amazing that you're empowering women to providing this side hustle to rent their wardrobes. Do you know whether some of these women, for some of these women, this is a full-time job?
1: That's absolutely where we, where I see the model and where I want to get the yeah. model um, you know, when I look at our kind of top lenders on, on her, they're making, you know, hundreds of hundreds of pounds every month, or also or, or in some cases, thousands of pounds every month. So my ultimate mission for her in the next couple of years is for any woman across the UK to be empowered and, and to take it from a side hustle that's in a bit of extra cash into something where you can run a fully fledged business through her. That's absolutely our aim. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And you said that technology is a big part of the business. What percentage do you think of your business is fashion, and what percentage technology? Well,
1: that is interesting. I haven't been asked that before. Um, <laughs> I, I'd say probably we're about eighty percent tech. That that's where my real passion lies in terms of you know what I do day in day out and what I care a lot about. Um, but I'd probably say that in the last couple of months, definitely over lockdown, we're probably close to to kind of seventy five percent tech, maybe twenty twenty five. And fashion because we're growing so rapidly we're getting lots of new listings you know hundreds of new listings every day now so we are finally you know it's a dream come true for the founder that spent so long building just you know the first hundred listings on her the first thousand listings on her and we're yeah. now at about five and a half thousand listings uh, that we have on the platform and it's growing every month so for the first time in, in in three years since I founded the company we're having to think much more about things like merchandising and the fashion side and um, so Fashion is absolutely
0: not my background, um, but <laughs> yeah.
1: I work with people that know a lot about
0: it. It's um, yeah, yeah. to, to in the right direction. You told me a lot about your um, co-founder, isn't Matt? I'm so jealous yeah. that you have a co-founder because I know that it's such a lonely journey to be an entrepreneur. Can you tell me a bit about how you met him and how you split your roles and um, how you communicate on a day-to-day basis with your co-founder?
1: Yeah, for sure. And so Matt and I are family friends. um, And, um, you know, I'd say that in terms of how we work, uh, we are polar opposites. So everything that Matt is good at, I am useless at and and, uh, vice versa. We we, we very much complement each other in terms of our skill sets. Um, Matt's very analytical very detail orientated I'd say I'm much more of an 80% is good enough type uh, character type. <laughs> no, <thank> um, <laughs> so, so I think that works really well for us um, and I think um, you know I, I'm sure you'll, you'll know Connie better than anyone and um, if you're looking to to, to raise money we, we all know the stats on on female founded businesses and, and having a male co-founder um, has definitely been helpful I think in terms of you know giving us a bit more credibility in what we're building yeah. uh, Matt background is very technical so he studied mm. maths and computing um so we're really really clued up in and and he's a huge asset on I say a much kind of higher level strategic uh you yeah. know, thinking point of view um, and I'm much more day-to-day uh not very glamorous doing doing everything else
0: yeah yeah it sounds like a perfect marriage <laughs> and you talked about um you know having Matt being beneficial to fundraising and in the tech world and things like that have you um found any i don't know stereotyping or any roadblocks in being a young female founder
1: um to be honest not really and i think i've always worked in in incredibly male-dominated environments i come from the real estate industry that that is is heavily male-dominated um and I think, you know, I did a lot of hard thinking when I first started her about, you know, all the things that could go wrong, all the things I'd be asked. Um, and I actually think it's a massive advantage to be a woman in tech. And I think as long as you're really confident about the product you're building and its potential, um, nothing really can stop you. Um, definitely, I've had, I've had difficult conversations in the early days. I met a lot of people uh, and men and women um, who, who questioned the idea and whether it would work. Um, and... Although we're obviously still a very, very kind of, you know, new startup in, in terms of, you know, how long other rental platforms have been around for such as around the runway. I guess I genuinely believe the huge potential that her has. And I think that that's the most important thing it it's backing yourself and then hoping that other people are going to back yeah, you Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I can definitely feel the passionate confidence in you. So I'm sure that, that everyone else did as well. And um, yeah. I mean, speaking of a young business, you're only three years old. Her is only three years old, but I see you everywhere. And you've got such a big footprint now. And you're now in Selfridges. Um, how, how does that work with Selfridges? How does that partnership work?
1: For sure. I mean, it's a massive, massive milestone for, for us as a business. Um, so we launched our pop-up in Selfridges in in February this year. Um, and And for us, they were the perfect partner they've always championed those those different really disruptive business models and um, they've done a Depop pop-up um, who are the big resale marketplace uh, Vestiaire Collective uh, are also in store, they started as a pop-up and are now permanently there so for us they were the perfect uh, match so to speak because they're the department store in my eyes that, that really see the world differently and uh, so we launched our first pop-up there beginning of this year and um, it went super super well for the first couple of weeks and then obviously lockdown hit uh, so we had to kind of put it on hold for uh, a couple of months until we launched it back up uh, a, a month or so ago now um, and then very excitingly what we launched last week was Selfridges which has had lots more press more press than I could ever have dreamed of um, and yeah, I'm, I'm seeing it everywhere now <laughs> so yes yeah, so self just launched their, their their actual their own rental platform through us um and the edit i don't know if you've had a chance to look through we've got some fabulous pieces uh on it and i think you know it, it's a it's a big change for fashion and um, we're, we're basically providing high fashion luxury fashion at fast fashion prices which is ultimately our our, our mission for her yeah. um super exciting early stages in terms of, um, you know, proving it out and, and getting people renting, but, but but it's a massive win. And I think testament to, to the rental revolution and the fact that hopefully it's going to be here to stay.
0: Yeah, definitely. What are some other milestones that you've had that you're proud of? Uh, I mean, I'll never forget the first ever transaction
1: that was put through the Her platform um, <laughs> after a year, a year and a bit of, of building and developing and testing. And i never forget time someone without you know there wasn't a family member or a friend uh, yeah I remember that moment as well yeah
0: do you still remember that customer's name because I do
1: I do I do I remember the item the item it was and the customer's name um and she's one of our our most loyal uh, her girls um so I think for me that was a massive moment of you know it goes from a concept and something that you've constructed in your head to people passing with money. And I always say it's my, my top tip to people starting a business is, you know, when you can get someone to actually pay for your product that doesn't know you or, you know, anything about your story and your product and still loves it. That's when you've got a, a, got a great business. So for me, that was a big milestone. And, and then, um, Selfridges, absolutely, um, was was a massive milestone. Um, I remember vividly uh, Forbes covering our launch um, and they, they dubbed us the Airbnb of fashion, which was what I always kind of hoped that we would be seen to be. Um, and I remember, you know, it was the first piece of press we ever got. Um, and I remember just sending it to my family being like, oh my gosh, this is real. It still didn't feel real uh, at that point. And then I think, you know, the milestones that we've hit since Selfridges have just been been amazing and um, I'm sure you know you're, you're in Selfridges too and you, you fit out that that pop-up space overnight and um, Selfridges closed and then Tom's alive and I remember vividly uh, we I was filled with kind of adrenaline and this horrid like fluorescent lighting and you know we started fitting out at, I think 10 o'clock at night and by three o'clock in the morning we were halfway through and I think I went home to, to sleep for about 45 minutes and the next morning with lots of pressings and I looked yeah. awful and I looked awful hadn't slept but I'll never forget that I mean it's such a massive moment when you see your logo when you
0: have that huge moment you don't even want to sleep do you
1: I know I know uh-huh. definitely definitely up with me a few days later but but yeah of course there are highs and lows but they're definitely my my kind of key milestones
0: yeah amazing and um, I'm sure that you had a lot of challenges along the way as well can you tell us a bit more about that
1: yeah I mean what happened how long have you got? Where do you want me to start? You'll know better than anyone. anyone how, how difficult it is, I mean, to be to be truthful, every day is a massive learning curve. Um, yeah. You know, going through fundraisers, taking on office leases, uh, negotiating employee contracts when you're trying to hire and expand a team. I mean, there are loads of, loads of challenges we face every day. And um, I think probably I'd say our biggest challenge at the moment is, I guess, navigating the new normal. And I think we're fortunate to be scaling, and lots of people trying our platform for the first ever time. But what that means when you start pushing real transactions through is that every possible thing that could go wrong will start going wrong, and things you never, you know, scenarios you never even considered start popping up. Um, and as I'm sure you know, the term bugs. You know, we have issues. You know, all day, every day. So there are there are thousands of challenges. Um, but I'd say our biggest one is scaling um, and still trying to retain. You you know, the the kind of UX and the customer journey that that is so important for
0: us. And it's it's a steep learning curve as you know well. Of course. Do you have any go-to people or mentors or role models that you speak to when you have difficulties or when you have um, wins to celebrate? Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I I mean, I think,
1: I knew really early on what my strengths were and what I wasn't good at. And I really tried to resource the parts that I knew I was really bad at. So for example, I'm not from a fashion background. I can't tell you much about, about that side of, uh, side of things. So I really knew that we needed to bring in the right fashion expertise. Um, I have a fabulous mentor uh, called Tom Meggle. And for me, he's my go-to person when things are really rough and I'm not sure or things are going really, really well. <laughs> Yeah. So, so absolutely in terms of kind of people that advise me day to day and I think it, you know at such an early stage it's quite informal where there are I'd say 10 people on my speed dial list that can cover off basically
0: any problem I have it's just tapping into different people that you know isn't it for different things yeah you've touched upon sustainability many times um, during this podcast and it's been a huge inspiration behind her who do you who do you look up to as a brand what other brands are, do you think um, are doing sustainability really well?
1: So we are sustainable at our core. I guess three 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 and a half years ago, I founded the business mm-hmm. because we are a circular economy business. And, and you know, we hope that we're, we're trying to make fashion more, more sustainable. So we're very, very much part of that conversation. And um, I'd say in terms of businesses that I've looked at, um, I, I'm really impressed by, by the innovation of, of resale platforms. So from the more luxury end of the Vestiaire Collectives through to mm-hmm. the cooler you know, Zillennial led businesses such as Depop. And I think the the cleverest thing that resale platforms have done is kind of debunk the myths on secondhand and make it cool and make it aspirational. Um, And I think, you know, resale is much more established than rental is is as a behavior. Um, But my absolute goal is to kind of, you know, uh, take, take after and take inspiration from how well those resale platforms have done um, and, and we can build something similar because, you know, five, 10 years ago, you probably never bought a secondhand bag um, or, or, or not, you know, as, as an everyday occurrence or as something you did a couple of times a, a week or a month. And, you know, t- talking from personal experience, I, I use Deport probably, you know, three times a week to scroll through on my commute home. And I personally find them incredibly inspiring about how they've yeah. created a business uh, as successful as they have done and scaled so well um, whilst doing something that ultimately isn't kind of contributing to, to the, the
0: fashion waste problem that we all know so well. Yeah. And what are some small steps that brands can take to become more sustainable? Because sometimes sustainability seems like a huge buzzword and a lot of brands don't know where to start. For sure. I, I I completely agree.
1: I think, you know, what is sustainability? What is greenwashing? What, what is, you know, conscious consumerism? These are all terms that are really thrown out and actually quite difficult to, to identify and to understand. Um, so I say if there was a, a small business positioning themselves as sustainable, um, the most important thing is thinking about every part of that supply chain and sustainability at every part of that supply chain. Um, I've met with lots of businesses that have great products, you know, Uh, antique jewellery say uh, but the packaging is plastic so I think just really thinking about everything who are you using as your delivery partners Uh, what about offsetting your CO2 on on deliveries who is your packaging these are just conversations and I think if you're really positioning yourself in sustainability you need to be prepared to have all of those answers and to to be able to back it up Um, and then I'd say my second tip would be to you know particularly I guess talking to, to fashion maybe beauty and, and jewelry as well is is considering the kind of upcycling and recycling model um, mm. there's already a lot of stuff in existence particularly in fashion and um, so whether it's kind of repurposing antique jewelry or using deadstock fabric To create, I don't know, a handbag or a hair scrunchie. I think that whole kind of upcycling and using what we already have um, is going to be a massive trend. And there are a few great businesses that do it really well. And I think that uh, it's really clever um, to be be thinking about
0: and, and innovative. What do you think we can do as consumers to become more sustainable?
1: So, I think the most important thing is as a consumer realizing that you hold the power. Um, I always say there's nothing more powerful than where the consumer chooses to spend their pound. Um, so, I, I, I'd say the number one thing is education. So, you choose where you put your pound and you choose whether you're backing a circular economy business or you're backing a fast fashion giant. You choose if you're supporting a female led small independent startup or a huge global conglomerate. That is the consumer's choice. Um, so, I think the more education, a a customer can do to to shop independent, to really just consider their purchases more than ever um, is probably the best place to start. Um, So there's a big industry uh, focus on on thinking about what we already own and love, uh, whether it's jewelry or fashion and how you can style things differently and swap with friends or rent or buy things secondhand. So um, I think it's an exciting time. And actually the great thing is consumers, I think in a kind of post-COVID landscape, are really just wakening up to the brands that you know do good and that they want to support and and the brands that are coming under a lot of scrutiny i'm sure we've all seen the the horror stories yeah, of fast fashion yeah, in front yeah, of every paper and yeah. um, so i think the most important thing is f- from a customer point of view knowing like who to support and and what to support i personally love supporting cool and you know vintage sellers on ebay where i know that even a 20 pound purchase of a vintage top is going directly to that person that i've you know watched their story you know there's nothing more powerful and i think those kind of instagram led brands um i hope i pray that they're
0: going to be be the winners out of lockdown i love browsing through etsy going through vintage shops. so I'm completely i completely agree love, with i that. love it <laughs> so I'm and homework yeah me as well. too, yeah, me too. <laughs> and i and i guess finally going on to her and renting or renting your own wardrobe as well right exactly yeah and how do you make sure that everything's safe during this um, lockdown and the pandemic We've always actually been quite
1: clear about our guidelines in terms of in terms of rentals happening through our platform. So it's always been a requirement before you send out an item on rental uh, that it has to be professionally dry cleaned before it's sent out and then after it's been worn. Um, so our, our guidelines on that haven't changed much. And I think what we've done as a business is is really just trying to clearly communicate to the customer that renting is still safe, that we have all the processes particularly in store um, the, 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 to make sure that everything is adhered to the, to the highest standards. Um, we introduced contact free deliveries through um, a courier partner during lockdown um, and I think the job of any brand or any founder is is to work out what those key concerns are and be able to address them from a from a consumer point of view um, and and just be really open and honest about you know what the challenges are and um, and what people expect and I think my customer' success team have been really, really vital in that as well um, in terms of just really planning. Uh, what that looks like from a customer point of view and just answering any queries um, yeah. we have a, a really super, like, response rate on our chatbot which I'm really really hot on uh on our team being able to do because you know we're all navigating this new normal and if I'm a customer and I want to rent a dress I expect my questions to be answered and you know for every FAQ to be clear so so I'd say I've really really focused on that yeah
0: openness is so important isn't it especially now with the lockdown yeah, and uh, finally, I'm sure you're a huge inspiration to a lot of young entrepreneurs that are starting out. What would be your advice for young entrepreneurs trying to set up their own fashion business or, or a tech business, I guess, because it's 75% tech for you. For sure. Um, so
1: I, I always remember the first difficult conversation I ever had about, about her when it was very much just an idea. Um, and, and someone said to me, why are you the right person to be building her? Why are you the right person to be building that business? And I'd never really thought about it, questioned it. I, I guess, you know, I have the idea, it's my idea. I think I'm going to be able to do a great job at it. And then I went home and thought, okay, how can I actually prove to anyone, whether it's a customer or an investor or anyone that I am the right person to build that business. And, and that credibility is something that comes with time. But I think you need to be really clear as a founder. And um, even if it's not, you know, I come from a, a very different background. So proving that took time. Um, and I think you, you, you become credible when you prove that out. And um, so I'd say number one, how can you prove that you're the right person to be building that business? Um, And then I think to your question on tech, if you are in tech and you're listening to this, know that nothing is ever finished. If I wanted a finished, 100% perfect platform, her would never have ever launched. And I'd still be in a basement in Shoreditch coding something that would never have launched. And you have to be happy with the 80% that I kind of touched upon earlier Um, and and getting going is is the hardest part of that. Uh, I, I think honestly, I
0: think that applies to any business, not just tech. Exactly. I,
1: uh, whether it's fashion, whether it's, you know, your business, it, it is never going to be perfect. And I think that it's a, it's a particularly female thing to want everything to be perfect before you launch. And I meet entrepreneurs or, or people that are starting out, um, a, a lot, a lot. Um, and, 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 Everything's got to be perfect. They've got to have that you know, brand book in place. Um, we had nothing like that when I first launched her. Um, it was definitely in a kind of scrappy startup mode. And I think, the, honestly, the hardest part is getting going. And, and at some stage, you have to take a massive leap of faith. And looking back, I wish I'd taken that you know, six to nine months before I did. And I think I was you know, crippled with imposter syndrome, thinking I wasn't the right person to build a business. And I wish, you know, looking back, that I'd just been braver to get going
0: so in some, just do it for sure in Nike's words <laughs> so such great advice thank you so much Victoria it was it's so nice pleasure. speaking to you thank you I'm so much I'm so inspired bye. bye thanks for listening to the Ask for the New Brand Lab podcast if you enjoyed listening please do make sure you like subscribe and leave a review and to learn more about The Brand Lab, please come search on our website,